Welcome to the Be Spectacular podcast. I am your host, Spence Taylor, and this is a podcast all about personal stories of amazing business leaders who make a big difference. You'll hear from a variety of different guests from different industries and backgrounds, most of whom are either business owners or somehow involved in business leadership. Uh, So let's get into this first story. I'm excited for you to hear from this amazing human being. Let's get into it. Friends, you are in for an absolute treat. My guest, Marlo, who you're about to meet, is a delight to talk to, is one of the most genuine people I've ever met, has just a brightness about her. Uh, I wish you could have seen her instead of just hear her, but I think you'll be able to visualize uh, just the expressions and different things as you hear the inflections in her voice and things because she's so well at expressing herself, uh, so effective at expressing herself, does that so well. Um, I know you're going to take away some really key things from this interview regarding coaching, but I honestly hope that your biggest takeaways are regarding life and your priorities, the things that you choose to pursue or not to pursue, the risks that you take, the way that you find joy, the way that you articulate and then stay true to your values. These are the main themes of our conversation. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. But yeah, I mean, why don't we just start with who you are, what you're about? I mean, you set the bio that'll be in the show notes, yep. uh, and then we'll I'll kind of just ask questions as we as we dive in here. Yeah, so I am Marlo Lyons. Uh, I am a career executive and team coach, and certified in uh, coaching in all aspects. Uh, love helping people. That's my big thing. Is I truly love helping uh, people learn more about themselves learn how they interact and communicate with others, you know, how they're perceived by others. It's everything I love doing. Awesome. I love that. So what's your origin story uh, related specifically to coaching? What, what originally led you to think maybe I could do this in a more focused way? Because I mean, I think you have somewhat of a background in HR and working with people in general, but you chose at some point to kind of become more focused on specifically the coaching function of your career. I have a crazy background. Do you want the whole background? Let's do it. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. You ready? Okay. So I'll try to do it in under two minutes, but here's my crazy background. Okay. My career trajectory is nothing linear. There's nothing linear about it. I've had multiple careers, multiple experiences, um, and multiple certifications at this point that has led me to here. So I started as an on-air TV news reporter in five different states. (laughs) There, I obviously honed executive presence, um, hustling on tight deadlines, deep empathy for people. Um, And when I was telling their stories, you know, just really feeling for them, especially the tragic stories. And I was in TV news in Dayton, Ohio, and I got fired. Not kidding, fired. Wow. Yes. And I decided I was going to get back into TV news to get out of TV news. So I moved to Oklahoma City and took an investigative reporter, a consumer and investigative reporter job. And then I decided I was going to go to law school because I wanted a backup. And so I went to law school and at Oklahoma City University. And um, just as I was finishing that, I moved to LA to be a screenwriter. Oh, wow. And we both know how that worked out. (laughs) (laughs) Incredibly unstable. Um, There's been actually two writers strikes since that time, incredibly unstable field. So I took a job managing production risk at NBC. And what that means is I was doing background checks, psych and medical. 
and really started to learn how to work in that corporate environment, very different than TV news. And learn things like cross-functional collaboration and stakeholder alignment and, you know, basically how to say no by saying yes. Um, and then I moved to Viacom. I took an expanded role and I got my VP stripes and I learned everything from immigration to foreign travel. I was moving crews all over the world, child labor, safety, security on sets. And you'd be surprised. Like I've read more background checks and psychological evaluations of your top reality shows and, and your top reality participants than anybody else, most huh. likely. Yeah. Oh yes. I've seen them all. Um, but believe it or not, after a decade, I was really bored. And it doesn't sound boring, great for cocktail parties, um, but I was bored. It was the same thing over and over and I liked to learn. And so I started reevaluating my values and talking to people and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And so I settled on strategic HR and strategic HR is really where you see the inner workings of HR. It's recruiting, how executives think about talent, organizational design, coaching C-suite on big leadership um, and talent decisions. Um, it's, you know, the main role is really coaching and organizational effectiveness. And I thought if I'm going to move into HR, how am I going to prove that I have a coaching like experience? Even though I was coaching executives in my other jobs, it wasn't the same. And so I went and got certified in coaching. And so um, once I was certified, I took a job at Roku, and that was my first HR job. And they did not do HR like every other company does HR <laughs> at the time. It was a startup. There were like 490 people, I think. And so, you know, there was no learning and development. There was no performance management. There was none of that at the time. And so we were basically coaching all day, and I loved it. I loved everything about it. And so I... Um, did that for a number of years. And then I moved into medical technology because I wanted to learn more about traditional HR. And so where this performance management and learning development and all those different things. And so I moved into, uh, I moved to intuitive surgical and then um, most recently, very recently uh, left my corporate job because all of that time I have actually had a side business and it was a coaching side business of executives and um, career coaching and both executive coaching. Um, and while at Intuitive, I got certified in team coaching. So I added that to my repertoire and now I am 100% a full-time coach. That is so awesome. <laughs> I love it. Working two jobs for years and raising children. And yeah. so I realized um, I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, too much, right? So that's where I'm at. Well, how that's incredible! <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much, so many little threads to pull on. Um, I'm, one thing that I really wanted to ask first is there's always there's a moment in all of our lives, many moments I think in all of our lives, uh, where we feel a desire to change, but then there's this other. It's kind of like the two angels thing yeah. right? there, there's one angel that's like you should do it go take risks and go be brave and all that the other voice is like what you're doing now is stable and you shouldn't mess with something that's overall good even though you don't love it and you know any, anyway so as you heard those two voices like what was it that gave you the courage to pursue yet another change I mean you, you kind of said at the beginning you've had a few careers and mm -hmm. uh, you and I share a lot in common actually in that way so I, I can relate um, yeah. and so what would you say to those maybe that are even in that space of trying to make some of those critical decisions of whether to go for it or whether to be like, you know what, I'm an accountant, I'm at this big company, it's stable, whatever, like I should just keep, I should just keep doing this. You know, when I look back 
at all the changes that I made, I realized most of the times I stayed, most of the time I stayed in the career I was in because of fear Mm -hmm. um, or excuses. And I didn't evaluate my values. So let me give you an example. When I was at Viacom, my husband was working for himself and I was the stable one. I had the insurance. I had the long-term incentives. I had the stock plan. I couldn't leave. There's no reason I could leave. I was bored, but I wasn't going to leave, right? He was working for himself. The second he got a job, I literally was in fetal position on the floor. I had Uh, no excuses, none. And I was like, oh my God. I don't even know what I want to do. And so I was completely lost. Hmm. Didn't know what I wanted to do, but knew I didn't want to do what I was doing right now. So that's when I figured out to move into strategic HR. And how I figured that out was looking at my values, right? What's important to me? And at the time, security was super important to me. So I did want another corporate job. I wanted a paycheck. We were not doing well financially, right? Hmm. At the time, and I wanted a paycheck and I wanted stability and I wanted, we had two little kids and that's what I wanted. And, and I found the thing that I really loved, which I thought was HR. What I didn't realize at the time was really, it was the coaching piece of HR. And so, um, so that was why I stayed in corporate America, but here's the kicker. That security piece has been a part of my life, my whole life. I want security. I want security. I want security. And just recently, probably in the last year, I realized, wait a minute, I'm secure. What Mm -hmm. am I doing? I'm secure. I'm fine. Not rich, not multi, multi multi-millionaire or anything, but I'm secure. And I'm and I'm and I love coaching. And I've been doing it as a part-time job, but I've been killing myself with basically two jobs. Why am I not leaping? What is stopping me? And the only thing that was stopping me was fear. That was it. Mm And so the thing that actually got me to leave was my company was calling people back to the office and the office, we moved, we're in uh, Arizona and the office for me was California. We moved during COVID like many people Yeah, calling people back. Now I could have flown up every week and kept my job, but I actually needed the push. I needed the push. I needed somebody to push me and say, guess what? You're either going to come back to the office all the time, or you're not going to be employed here. And, and I didn't take it personally. I was like, this is the push. This is what I need. And so I left and I just jumped and here I am. And the one thing I noticed, Spencer, and I said this to my husband last week, um, I just left recently. I said, I've had a lot of happy moments in my life. A lot. Um, got married, had kids, um, you know, just lots of great happy moments, graduating college, graduating law school, all those things but I don't know that I've ever been happy at my core, mm-hmm. right? I've been content at my core. Yeah, I've been sad at my core. I've been all sorts of things at my core, but I've never been happy at my core. And I can tell you right now, I am gloriously happy at my core. That's so awesome. And that is living your values 100%. Mm-hmm. Everything in yeah. your values. I am doing exactly what I want to be doing. And, you know, exactly with my kids as much as I want to be with them. Everything I want is in front of me. And it isn't just cash. It isn't mm-hmm. just money. Yeah. Uh, yes, I do well, but it's not for me about that because that's not a huge value of mine right now. It yeah. was a while ago. Absolutely. 
That's so beautiful. I love it. And I love the enthusiasm and the smile on your face, which again, listeners don't have the benefit of that, but yeah, they can hear it in your voice though. Like just the, the genuine enthusiasm and the joy is worth so much love more it. than words can say. So that's awesome. So what, again, I'm, I'm kind of approaching some, a lot of these questions, at least at this segment of the interview, uh, from the standpoint of that person who really is you X number of years ago, how many years it was when you first thought, I want to start a side coaching thing. Right. Um, and, and you talked both in the mm-hmm. kind of original intro and in this most recent couple of minutes about the importance of values and values alignment. It, it's almost cliche in the HR space and in, even in corporations to talk, oh, what are our values and put them on the wall and all that. But you're talking about something different, right? Like you, you yes. mean something like that's deep down in your core you. and you kind of just talked about. So how does one go about doing that? Like how, like how did you do it and, and how would you advise someone else um, go through that process of saying, what are my actual values? And then how do I make decisions based around those? Because that seems like the critical path to joy, so to speak, that you are just so elated with at the, right now. It is. I mean, your values are what's important to you. That's it. It's what's important to you. It could be what's important to you in life, what's important to you in work, what's important to you in your day-to-day, what's important to you. It's that simple, right? So you need to ask yourself, what gives me energy? What depletes my energy? What's important to me? What's not important to me? Um, what? Because the things that are not important to me, if you look at the reverse, you might find the thing that's important to you. That's why yeah. you have to ask also what's not important to me. And what you do is you define that. So for example, Spencer, if I say to you, Spencer, when I say the word family, is that important to you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what does that mean to you? Uh, For me, it's very, uh, I mean, my brain goes literal, like my wife and our six kids and thinking about even breakfast we had together this morning. I made French toast. It was a kid's first day of school. Like just these moments of togetherness is really the, the biggest thing that it means to me. So moments of togetherness to you. Okay. Now, if I say family is important to me, I would say family means my husband, my two children. Um, It means relatives that are far away, but close to my heart. But it means most importantly that I'm present Hmm. and that I'm there for them when they need me. Do you see how our values are different? Hmm. Yes. They're both family, but your family is togetherness and mine is about being present for them. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Those are very different values. Same word. So you have to define your values to you right? And you have to understand what does that mean to me? And once you define your values, then you can take those and translate them into skills and capabilities. And that's how you align your career to your values. That's what I do with all my clients. Um, I take them through this um, program that I call the career transition strategies. I take them through all my strategies. Actually, the program's not called that, but it's, I take them through career transition strategies. And really it's taking your values, understanding yourself deeper, And then translate that into skills and capabilities, plus looking at the skills and capabilities you've already gained from your career, right? Mm -hmm. And then looking for careers that align with your values. Yeah, That's how you find fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And when my clients scream that they figured out the career, oh my God, they're screaming. They call me screaming. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. And then of course we dig deeper. We do a double click. We talk to people. We make sure that it's exactly what we think it is. Cause when we read about it, it's not the same being a lawyer on TV, not the same being a lawyer is in reality. So we have to talk to people and understand what it is. And then from there, you can look at your resume and your LinkedIn and your, you know, interview skills and try to um, make sure you're doing all of that through the lens of the new career. 
Awesome. Well, and it, I mean, it just feels to me like your current coaching practice is this well-oiled machine. You have a clearly defined program. You have a, a specific value that you're bringing to your clients and you love working with these people. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say maybe you didn't necessarily start there when you first got into coaching. Like how, how did you decide what coaching meant? You know, speaking of the difference of family to you, family to me, like coaching means different things to different people. And when, how did you, how did you figure out that initial entry point? Yeah. When I took the coaching course, right. Cause I wanted to prove that I could coach when I was in HR. Um, you have to coach when you're doing the course, right. You have to practice. And so I took any client I could get for $3. You had to get paid. Right. So yeah. I was already working. I didn't really need the cash. So I was doing three, $5 coaching sessions. I had everything from career to divorce to somebody cheating on their spouse, mm. um, all sorts of things. I was coaching. I'm trying to practice the techniques and understand. And I learned a number of things about myself and my own values. Number one, I can't coach somebody who's having an affair. Um, That doesn't work for me and my own values, right? Um, I also didn't want to coach people who were struggling in their marriage. It just was not the right thing for me. Um, And there's lots of great coaches out there. In fact, a very close friend of mine is a divorce coach, right? And that's what she does. I didn't want a life coach. It wasn't my thing. Um, But when I was doing career coaching, um, I realized like, wow, I really love helping somebody figure out their career. It's a, such a big part of your life. It's yeah. huge. And you spend so many hours working. And so I looked back and I was like, oh my God, I've been doing career coaching my whole life for people. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize I was doing it. And I remember holding a course when I was like 23 years old on how to break into TV news. Like I, it was always career coaching. Um, I didn't have all these techniques and all of these tools in my toolkit, but I was doing it. And so that's how I gravitated toward career coaching. It took me a while to figure out, um, it took me a while to figure out kind of how to help people transition careers. I had done it numerous times at this point, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really have a formula or a way to do it for others. And I was asked a million times, how did you do that? How did you do that? I want to do that. And so I figured out kind of, I don't want to call it a formula. Every person is hundred percent unique, but I figured out kind of the basics of how to do it and how to transition careers successfully. And that's how I knew um, that this was it. But I'll tell you, I felt like a fraud for a while there. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I think everybody feels like a fraud at some point or imposter syndrome. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I wasn't sure I knew what I was doing. Even when my first book came out, I was like, uh, I'm not sure. Is this, is this good? Is it not good? Is it going to help people? Is it not going to help people? You just have to keep going. If you have a voice and you have experience behind you and you have like data, I had a lot of data behind me of what was working and what wasn't at that point. That's such great advice. I love it. And again, especially just addressing that inner voice, the imposter syndrome, the hesitation, the whatever it it is, like you just, I had it all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, People think like, oh, you just woke up one day and you were a coach and, oh, now you're talking to Spencer and you're, you know, writing for Newsweek or writing for HBR. You're like, it just all happened. No, it didn't just happen. Mm-hmm. Each little thing built upon another little thing. As I got more confident, as I felt I was, you know, really bringing a value, as I felt like I was learning and delivering my own values to other people, like helping them through my values, right. Of what I wanted to do, which was help people. Um, and so every little thing builds upon it and you, you're not going to have hundred percent right away. I don't even have hundred percent yet. I'm not sure. where I want to be yet, but I'm getting there. Yeah. And 
you know, gloriously happy, which is what I said. So <laughs> right. there, maybe I am there. Well, and I think the pursuit for at least a lot of us in the coaching space is, is so much of what it's about rather than the, than like the achievement, like the destination. Like once you hit a milestone, it's like, okay, what's next? Rather than like, yay, the milestone itself was the thing. It's really the pursuit of the next one, right? And and the growth. And I love that you said you're not a 100% yet because I don't really think any of us should ever be at 100%. We're always expanding right. that capacity, right? Yeah, you should always be striving. You should always be looking for that next thing. And for some people, it's learning all the time. I like to learn, but you know, I'll probably read People Magazine over reading a book, most likely, right? Um, or watch TV. Um, but I do love learning and I do love reading. And when I get into a book, I really get into it. And so finding that thing that you like and pursuing that and continuing to grow from that. And I don't think you ever stop learning. I don't think you ever stop growing. Yeah. Um, I don't think you ever stop improving as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, I have grown so much just as a human. My husband says I've grown more as a human in the past four years than I have in my probably my entire life. And it's true. Wow, cool. <laughs> I agree with him. Um, it's been a lot the last four years. And so you just keep growing. I want to come I want to come back to that last four years uh, here in a minute. Um, I think it was probably almost 25 years ago. There was a movie called The Family Man, Nicolas Cage. Um you may not have seen it if you I did. Okay, good. Yeah. So he goes it goes back in time before he had kids. Right. Yep. It's like what it's kind of the what if question, right? There's yeah. there's a, a Christian version of that actually that's called what if. And there's a couple of spin-offs that different uh films, you know, uh, studios have played with this idea of like you take your present reality and again, let's assume it's a happy, relatively successful reality, and then you go back and look at what if I would not have made this one decision, or what if I would have made this one decision. In this case, he left his uh, fiance basically like they were going to get married and he ends up yeah. taking this big job in London and uh, they never work out and he ends up being a single very successful but a very lonely basically a uh, corporate man um, anyway so for you the reason I'm recapping a movie here on our episode <laughs> is like going back to that decision like what if you would not have had the courage or just made that choice to get into coaching like what if coaching was not part of your life what do you think things would look like Wow. What would things look like today if coaching wasn't a part of my life? I think coaching was always a part of my life and I didn't have it defined. Mm -hmm. So I think it would still exist. I've always been a coach to friends, family. So I think that part would still exist, but I think I probably would still be in corporate America. I'd still be working in HR and some of it I loved and some of it I didn't, you know, I loved the coaching. I loved working with executives. I loved solving business problems. Didn't like performance management so much and things like that. Right. Um, But I'd probably still be in HR. Wow. Where else would I be? I'd probably still have my kids. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, I wonder if, you know, I think I would have maybe filled the hole with, with other things, trying to figure it out, trying to find that thing. Um, finding that thing is really powerful because finding that thing, um, like I said, I've never felt a level of happiness, joy, contentment, peace, gloriousness, like ever at this level in my life. Yeah. And it's fascinating even to me to recognize that and acknowledge that out loud. Yeah. Because I always thought I was a happy person in general. I'm pretty content. And this is just a whole different level. That's awesome. I love it. Well, and and it's really interesting just the way you answered the question too, because what you didn't say 
is, oh, I would be miserable. Life would be terrible. I would not have success in my life or joy or happiness or a family. Like yeah. none of that. Like coaching is not the thing that has really yeah. brought you joy in, in one way. It's really your pursuit and your commitment to finding, like you said, finding the thing, uh, even if it it's, wasn't necessarily coaching. And I don't even know if it's the pursuit or commitment as much as living my values 100%. Yeah, I love that. Right. Quote. So that's what it is. It's the pursuit and commitment of living your values 100%. So that's what it is. Mm -hmm. When you hit that, it's still not the end because your values continue to change and life changes yeah. on you. Yeah. But that pursuit and living it 100% is what got me there not the thing you're right yeah, it's not the yeah. thing boy you're you're really making me think this morning spencer <laughs> <laughs> no you're you're inspiring it all it's so great i love it uh so coming back to the last four years of this incredible growth period you you made the comment that your husband said to you and you agree that the last four years has it has yielded more growth yeah i mean some of it's really personal um so uh, my mother died in fall of 2020 mm -hmm. uh, not from covid my father died a year later Oh, wow. um, yeah. So I had two tragic events in a row, um, you know, had a number of family members that I no longer keep in touch with due to some stuff. And, um, you know, that combined with the fact that I really dug into behaviors that I had and things that I did and the way my mind worked, mm -hmm. um, things that really bugged me about myself. And I learned something pretty profound in doing that. Um, and also, I really learned it from my kid. So I was watching my child and my child would do all this stuff and it was triggering me and I couldn't figure it out and I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, why is this bothering me so much? And my kid was doing all the things that I actually didn't like about myself. And I realized that my kid, who is ADHD, taught me that I am ADHD. At over age 50, I learned this. And in realizing that piece about myself, I was able to then go all the way back in my life and be like, oh my God, that's why that happened. That's why that was that way. That, and it made me take away all that hatred, all those things that I didn't like about myself. And I realized that's just who I am, right? That's who I am. That's what I'm about. It also helps me work with others in a different way completely because I can actually, there are some great things about ADHD. There's some horrible things. There's some great things, horrible things. We interrupt people. We talk too fast. We, um, we have big emotions all the time. Um, anxiety comes with it at times, depression, all sorts of things comes with it, come with it. But the, the superpowers are very deep intuition, very deep, yeah. deeper than you can imagine. I can read somebody in five minutes, mm -hmm. exactly what they're about and exactly what they want and exactly what they need. Mm -hmm. Um, I can also have this deep, deep empathy for people. Hence the deep empathy when I was a TV news reporter, right? Where I would go home and I would feel their stories because it wasn't a story to me, it was a human. And so that has helped me look at myself and my life and be like, oh, this all makes sense now. Yeah. And be able to parent better and to parent my child better. I no longer get triggered by anything actually. Um, kind of crazy, you know, even yesterday, my daughter was hunting for her AirPods, wouldn't leave the house until she found her AirPods. I told her, hey, I said, your sister's gonna be late for school if we don't leave right now. Oh, and then she still wasn't coming to the door. And I said, okay, so here's where we are. You get to make a choice. If your sister's late for school, you lose your phone for a month. But, you know, I'm happy to look for your AirPods later. 
but I wasn't upset. I wasn't triggered. I wasn't screaming. I was just like, here's where we are. And she made the choice to get in the car and she powdered the whole way to school. You know, and sure enough, I found her AirPods like in the couch or something later in the day. Um, But the point is like, I didn't feel a thing. Yeah. Just like, you know, and that comes from, I think, self-acceptance, self-love, realizing what's important, what's not important and just acknowledging kind of who you are. Right. And what you are. So that's been my past four years of fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's been really interesting. I don't know how much that relates to this, but. No, it, it does because it's real life. And I think that's, yeah. that's an important part of you know, whether, whether we're talking about coaching or any conversation, like it's gotta be, it's gotta be real and that's real. And, and when your parents both die within a year of each other and they're gone and you lose part of your family and you start to realize who you are as a human, you also start to look at yourself as mortal. And you realize, wow, I have X number of years left. Like Mm -hmm. my parents are gone. They didn't really fulfill all the dreams I think that they had for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, what do I want out of these last X years, right? That I have. And what happens, you know, I keep saying, wait till I retire, wait till I retire, wait till I retire. Do you know how many people die after they retire and never get to that place? And I just woke up and I said, okay, I want to live now. I don't want to live when I retire. I want to live now. And so I decided to live and I decided to figure myself out and figure out what I wanted to do and figure out what my values are and figure out how to align it all together. And when you figure that out, life's great. Yeah. So great. I love that. Uh, A couple of kind of, I guess, more of the practical pieces of building a coaching practice. I'm curious your reflections on writing a book and the role that a book has played in your practice. Uh, and the certifications uh, you mentioned, you've you pursued those, and those have been important to you. Can you kind of talk to that again? For, for, I guess from the perspective of, of visiting with someone who's even considering getting into coaching or is new into it, and not not that confident yet. Yeah, um, I think certification. You know, besides giving you credibility, it does give you tools, right? And it does help you, you know, have some mastery. Um, you may not be, you know, there's all different levels of coaching, right? You may not be at that highest level, but it gives you some mastery of it because you've had to practice enough to get that certification. Um, so I think, you know, getting certified in anything is great. Um, if it's relevant to the career that you want to move into, um, I have a law degree and I'm licensed. I'm a licensed lawyer in California. I don't use it. Um, I do draft my own contracts, um, but I don't use it. But I do think that that gave me confidence. It gave me confidence to read anything and figure out what it is. Um, Because if you go back to what I said, having ADHD, I used to read down the page and not comprehend any of it and not understand that, why I didn't comprehend any of it. It's really that I was reading too fast. I was going too fast for what my brain could could process. And so, you know, what law school did is it gave me the confidence to, and what the, the license did is it gave me the confidence to read anything and to, and to, um, to know that I can accomplish that. And I took the bar with no advantage. I just took it like everybody else. (laughs) And so, um, so that, and then I'm certified in a number of things. So I'm certified in, um, advanced team coaching, which is recent. So that is, um, it's called upskilling. I believe you should always be upskilling. You should always continue to be learning. And so I upskilled in team coaching. Um, I was asked to team coach in my last um, job multiple times. I had no actual training in it. I had training in coaching, but not team coaching. So I was flying by the seat of my pants for a long time. 
And so I went and got certified so I could say, hey, what are the tools that I need in my toolkit here? Because I was pretty much doing everything that I learned, but I learned it a different way and I found it super useful. And then I practiced a number of those um, tools, which was great. And I think I'm 360 certified as well. Um, I did that for a job, but I also think it's great to understand what 360s are, especially when you're doing executive coaching, because uh, all executives take 360s at some point or have a 360. Um, so I did that. And then, um, so that's, I think that's all my certifications. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's um, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all about learning and growing. If you look at it from learning and growing and not about from the perspective of, oh, I need this to be credible. And, you know, and I'm just doing this to check a box. Don't do it to check a box. Sure. Do it because you want to learn and grow. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I love about your pursuit of certifications. It's been very targeted and intentional. It hasn't just been like, let me just get a general thing yeah. that I can hit a feather for my cap kind of a thing. It's been, I need to, I need to achieve this value or, or provide this value. And therefore I'm going to go get the credential to teach. I'm me gonna go learn. Yeah. I'm going to go learn more. Right. And you don't have to get certified. You can just go learn. But I thought, well, if I've done all that work, if I do the certification, then I actually have to do more work. Right. I have to train more. I have to coach more. Um, you know, and I'll, I'm a PCC right now, which is called a professional certified coach. There's one more level, um, called master certified coach. And I'll probably do that at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, not yet. Sure. <laughs> Just finish the team one, taking a break. So how about, how about the book then? Mm -hmm. I've heard two schools of thought around books. Some people who have written a book say it changed my whole career. Like everything blew up after that. And I had so many opportunities I wouldn't have had, but then I've had probably more people tell me that. Uh, the book was really kind of disappointing in the sense that it didn't really add much. Uh, and again, I, I think it's more, I, I'm saying it as if the book is either the key or not the key. And I don't really mean it that way, but I think it's more about what you do with it and how you apply it in your practice. But for you, what's that, what does that look like and what kind of advice would you Yeah. Give? So the book came out in 2021. It's called Wanted a New Career. Um, and I wrote the book strictly because at least hundreds of people have asked me, how did you do that? Mm. Right. TV news reporter, lawyer, you know, production risk, executive, you know, HR coach. And I explained it to them at the time, but I realized I could reach so many more people if I just wrote a book. It took me two years to write the book because think about it. I was working full time. I was coaching. I was raising children. <laughs> and basically I wrote on Sunday mornings. That was it. Sunday mornings. That's when I wrote for two hours every Sunday morning. It took years. Um, and then I had a formal editor and went through the whole process of that. You know, the book for me, again, was about helping people. I never wrote the book to make money. I never wrote the book to go viral. I never wrote the book to get attention. That's That wasn't the purpose of, for me personally. Um, the book has done well. I can say that um, it's, you know, brings in passive income, but it's, you know, it does well. It's global. It sells everywhere in the world, which is nice. Um, it did give me other opportunities. I, I don't know. Maybe the book helped elevate me outside all the voices. There's lots of voices out there. Lots of voices, lots of voices, especially now. <laughs> lots of voices. And I think some voices are valid. I think some voices are not, and you should research people and see if they have the experience and the skills and capabilities to be a voice. Um, I felt like the book gave me a little bit more credibility as a voice. 
Um, even with all the certifications, even with all the coaching I was doing, um, I felt like it gave me a little bit more. Um, after that, um, HBR asked me if I would write for them. Um, about a year later, Newsweek asked me if I would write for them. Um, so I do both of those, which I love because it brings me back to my journalism days. Yeah. Uh, so I absolutely, and again, I only do things that I love because that's about doing things that are within your values. I don't do things because, oh, I'm going to get more clients. I get a ton of emails, by the way, mm-hmm. from people that say to me, I can help ramp your business. I can help scale and get you hundreds of clients. I don't want hundreds of clients, right? That's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, but you do things within your values. And for me, I love to write. I love it. It's, it's a passion of mine. So I get to do it for a publication that's credible. Amazing, right? Um, so the book, I think, opened opportunity for me. You know, has it blown up, made me viral, all that stuff? No. And I don't care because that's not what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. right? I'm looking to help people. And if people need direct help, individual help, then I coach them. And if the book helps them, fantastic. I'm glad they got help. I wanted it also to be a cheaper way for people to get coaching who maybe couldn't afford coaching. So, I mean, for $15.95, you can basically get every single thing that I do. In fact, not basically, you can get every single thing that I do with my clients right in the book. And I, I just love that there's been ongoing evidence throughout our conversation that validates your comments around values. Like the, the different stories you've told, I think we can point back at values again and again and again and again. Most people are unhappy because they're not doing what they want to be doing. That's why they're unhappy, right? Or they're not content at least. Um, you know, and freedom for me is about doing things that I want to be doing. Freedom might be something different for others, but that's what it means for me. So when that freedom was that last check the box of values to be fulfilled, that's when I hit it. Mm-hmm. That's when you hit the gloriousness of keep using the word gloriousness, but that's what it is. Yeah. That level of happiness. That's just beyond. Yep. That's so great. So wrapping up, um, what would you say about, I guess your next steps? Like what, what is the future vision for you as you stay true to your values? You want to stay in this place of, joy to your core and gloriousness to your core how do you make sure you can sustain that as much as possible knowing that life happens and there's unknowns and all that that is a great question I think going back to my values when I am not feeling that way and seeing what's not being fulfilled um I think that's what people that's what really opens the eyes to my client opens my clients eyes it um what opens their eyes is I do a values exercise and we talk about, okay, level one to five on each value, how much of it do you have in your current job? And when they see all these things under three and they go, oh my God, it's like eye opening for them of why they're not happy. And I think for me, as long as I stay true to my values, as long as I continue to do what I'm doing, I'm not looking again to be famous, viral or any of that stuff. I'm just looking to help people. And if clients come to me and they feel that they've been helped and they feel they found themselves a little bit more and they found the career that will check off that value for them, right? And make themselves happy, then that's what helps me get up in the morning. (laughs) That's what I enjoy, right? That checks off my value of helping people. (laughs) So yeah, so I think for me, it's it's just um, continuing to do what I'm doing and enjoying it and seeing what comes ahead, you know, comes from there. You never know. Yeah. 
that's part of the part of the fun, right? Is, is, is never knowing exactly what's next. <laughs> Whatever shows up, everything can be an opportunity. Open your eyes. You never know what's in front of you. That's so cool. I love it. Thank you, Marlo. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm I'm sure both of our audiences will benefit from this and just grateful for your generosity and taking the time with me. Thank you, Spencer. This was so much fun. Anytime. If you want to do it again, let me know. I'll be honest, going into this interview, I really expected, like I felt committed as the one conducting the interview to drill into a lot of the tactics and the practical application of what it looks like to build your own coaching practice, because that's, that's what I do. I mean, that, that's what the Lumen Coaches Academy uh, is about. Um, but I think we achieved something so much more important than tactics and practical application today. As you heard, Marlo is a genuinely happy, fully engaged human being in life overall as a professional, now as an entrepreneur, having just recently taken that big leap, which was uh, originally kind of the title, the working title, I guess you could say that I had in mind uh, as we did our planning call. But we, we absolutely leapt uh, to discuss some really important things that I hope have left you in a place where you're feeling thoughtful and really looking at the why behind your desire to uh, to launch a coaching practice uh, or whatever big thing it is that you're looking at. Uh, perhaps you've come uh, listening from a different viewpoint and not necessarily uh, building a coaching practice. And that's wonderful. Whatever challenge it is that's ahead, you see opportunities. We are all always having to weigh risk reward, uh, timing, different values in our lives. I love that that became really the, the central theme of the conversation with Marlo it was really revolving all around values and how we must establish and then stay true to those if we want to be in that place of joyfulness. And uh, I hope that that is something you desire for yourself because you deserve it. You have what it takes. You can go out and make amazing things happen as you apply the principles that Marlo brought to the surface for us today. Uh, just an amazing conversation overall. I'm excited to hear your feedback, and I know she is as well. Uh, we both welcome the opportunity to engage with you in whatever way we can to serve you and, and help you fulfill your highest purpose in life. <laughs>